What is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the Fathom Beyond Sunday podcast. This podcast is meant to be really conversational and casual, just a couple of leaders here at Fathom talking about faith and life and talking about how we can grow in our faith where it's really going on Monday through Saturday and not just on Sunday. So tune in, listen to the conversation and open your heart. We pray that this really helps. Hello and welcome to the Fathom Beyond Sunday podcast. I am Christina Scott, Next Steps Director at Fathom Church, and I am here with Pastor Kyle Nelson. Hey, everybody. Let's do it. (laughs) Season two, episode two. That's right. That's right. Two and two. We are here. Yeah, this new series on Sundays, Beatitudes. It is next level. We are, I'm really enjoying this and not just because I'm looking at your face right now yeah. and it's you who's preaching it. Yeah. Yeah. You're not sucking up. You know, what's funny is, um, you know, uh, I, I saw pastor Chris Hodges is starting his beatitude series and he wrote beatitude book. I'm guessing he saw the series that we were starting and he right. was like, you know, it's one of the yes. biggest churches in America. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> and, definitely. And he, he saw that, you know, I think we ought to, I ought to write this book real quick he and start this series a couple of weeks after. Definitely following us on social media. <laughs> definitely looking after every Fathom it's, Church tweet. It's so Pastor funny though. With be, all of his time. Because when I'm talking to pastor friends, like all the time, it's just like God speaks a word to like his church that he's yes. trying to get there and have no concept. I don't know him. He surely doesn't know me. I'm being completely facetious there. But just God wants to get things into the spirit of his church. And like even when talking to friends at different churches and different cities, mm-hmm. and it's just like, yeah, there's a word that spirit of God is just inspiring to, you know, for the people to open the word and, and right. hear what he has to say to them. So it's, it's well, kind of fun stuff. Well, and it's really cool, too, because a couple of weeks ago you mentioned that this that reading the Beatitudes had been on here. You didn't even know why. Why yeah. am I starting all of my Bible reading? Why am yeah. I starting every day with this? And mm-hmm. and that clearly wasn't just you. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So this week uh, we got into verses, was it five and six? Yeah. You got into verses five and six and it was, uh, blessed are the meek yeah. for they shall inherit the earth and uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. I, I like the satisfied. Yeah, too. I do too. <laughs> I, I prefer it. Um, that There's nothing wrong with filled, right? <laughs> nothing yeah. wrong with that. Um, but there was something that you said in the message that you said, Hey, this isn't even in my notes. And every time you say something like that, that goes in my notes, right. yeah. every time you say, Hey, this isn't in my notes, but I'm going to talk about it. And that was sometimes that's really, really <laughs> stupid stuff though. I've doubt those go in your notes. Well, no, they, they almost it always, usually it really like is. It usually is the something kind of random that really gets me and, and God's able to speak outside of your notes. Totally. Yeah, and sure. so something that you said, was that that Christians, some Christians really need to check their rebellion, this rebellious spirit. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it, and it wasn't, it, the word, the way that you said it, it wasn't to the world. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, no, no, hey, it was the too... world needs to check its rebellious spirit. It's the church. Yeah. Some of these, some, some of us really need to check our rebellious mm-hmm. spirit. So leaping from that, let's talk about a rebellious spirit Mm. what let's what is that and let's i really just want to dig into that a little bit more because it was a side note but it meant it was really Mm. 
impacted me a lot. Yeah, and particularly when we look at the quality of meekness, which is not, I feel like I've not preached on it enough, but um, it's really an embodiment of like a number of things that we see displayed in the life of Jesus. And it's really, I guess if there's eight, eight or nine of these beatitudes if people put nine I, I end up putting the last two together because they're really all about persecution mm. so i'll put them together in this series and i end up talking about eight um but yeah it, it's kind of an embodiment of a number of things um one being submission um another being how we treat other people um a gentleness of mm-hmm. our spirit you know there, there's just a, it's a number of factors that kind of make up the recipe for us to be able to display this characteristic and this quality in our life and to have it. And it, and it starts with this, um, it starts with being completely surrendered to God. And just as an aside, I've been kind of blown away because I did not plan this, how much Romans 12, one through one and two, just the messaging of what Paul is saying there that of our last series, right? And what Jesus is saying here right. are so just in tune with one another. Like I've never seen that. And I've loved both of these passages for as long as I've been a Christian, genuinely. Right, without connecting them. But never just seeing them overlap just because of how deeply I've been studying both of these passages. They're, the ideas are just so similar. And this idea of meekness, it, like Paul brings up about being like, surrendering to God, you know, fully there in Romans 12 and um, living a life of, of of worship. So anyway, the rebellious spirit thing, back to that. Meanwhile, <laughs> back at the ranch, I right. your original question. Don't you hate it when people do that? No, no, no. No, actually, it's this juxtaposition for me that what Jesus was saying, the, these Beatitudes and the way he starts yeah. the Sermon on the Mount yeah. is revolutionary. Mm-hmm. It is wildly different than what they were expecting to hear, but yet not rebellious. It's revolutionary and, but not rebellious. And what does that mean? Because so often now we're, our, Mm -hmm. our culture lumps those two things together and they're not the same. Mm -hmm. They are not synonymous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I think there's, I think just to get at what I was saying there, and then we can get into the rest of the conversation because I think there's so much more to have there. I I think a lot of people don't fully who who say yes to Jesus and who, you know, become Christians and, and become followers of Jesus. They draw that line of like the things they surrender to, or they do that one time at one point in their life, and then, and then they just become a god to themselves. And anything that they're not, you know, sensitive to what God is pruning in them, and they they don't um, honor or respect, you know, spiritual leadership in their life. Um, you know, and and um, there's there's just a, re- a rebellious spirit. I think in all of us, and right. it just has to be crucified. Like it has to be crucified in order to obey Jesus, in order to to follow Him. But I, I think the most interesting thing about that is if we 
if we'll just take that and harness it into <laughs> the revolutionary ways of Jesus, which right. is this completely upside down kingdom. And I, th- I frankly think this is why so many people when like they if for those that group of people and not everybody listen to this probably a, a small fraction of you actually grew up in church right and had right. A, a some kind of traditional church upbringing um but for those of you that did and and saw or maybe you did and then you left the church which right. statistically that's what the vast majority of do. You call it, you know, just going out to everybody sowing their wild oats or... <laughs> right. What do the Amish call it? Rumspringa? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, or whatever it might be. Um, you know, people leave the church and then eventually they realize, oh, I have, you know, this... I'm done with my rebellious years. And it's usually right. it's towards parents, it's towards all the things, right. right? Being controlled, mm-hmm. right? And then we hear Jesus and it's like, no, no, we have to be completely controlled, <laughs> you know, um, by God and by his spirit and to be in completely submission to him. But whether it's, you know, baby boomers and those before them who, you know, the 60s and 70s, they were a wild time, man. <laughs> there was a revolution happening there, right? Yes. A sexual revolution, right. a, you know, just a, a whole like awakening of... Um, Talking about sowing wild oats, right? Right, absolutely. And just that even, um, I think maybe finding finding people finding their own voice in that time, right? So finding their voice and then using it, not always for good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there yeah. is a lot of that. A lot of people, oh, I, I feel empowered and empowered in so many of the wrong ways that we can look back on it. You know, I can, as a person who was not born until the eighties, I can look back on, you know, on history and look back at pictures and go, wow, that's pretty intense. There's some intense stuff there. Um, but it was a time of revolution. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It was in, in more ways than just those physical ways, I think too, in, in this, in the minds of people. Yeah. And, and the reason I brought up just like the, the exodus from church and thinking of that, that rebellious spirit that's there, I think in keeping the next generation and like reaching the next generation and really the generation that's before us, just the culture around us, I think so many churches have, they've neutered the gospel and they've watered it down mm-hmm. in such a way that it it doesn't feel revolutionary at all. Like I just, I could walk into so many churches in our city and in our world and begin to interact with the lives of the families there and just be like, mm, your lives look just like everybody else's, right? right. And, and we see that from a data perspective right. in, in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I think when we really as individuals and as families and as church communities begin to embrace like this crazy way that, that doesn't just go with the flow of culture that doesn't, you know, we're, we're not just rebellious, you know, to the, the ways of God, but we, we embrace this revolution where Jesus is teaching us this upside down way of his kingdom. I think that's honestly that that's where we need to speak into this generation. I think it's, it's understanding that, Hey, yes, that rebellious needs to turn into, you know, submission under control. You know, I I just love the phrasing of, you know, a wild horse, you know, that's been trained to do the job, you know, and and man, how, if we can just, you know, harness that, that rebellion into 
um, submission to Jesus first and and to be discipled and pruned by the Holy Spirit and by the body of Christ, you know, right. then, um, then man, we're going to be able to do a lot more for his kingdom. And I think that's really going to satisfy the desire that's within each of us. I, I think for something that just is, it just doesn't satisfy just the, just the nice little, you know, nice little church experience right. and nice little country club we've got here. Um, but it's, it's the way of life that, as Jesus said, you'll be satisfied. In, right. You know? Right. Um, what does it look like for, so we, we talk about rebellion and, and like you said, it's, yeah. it's in, there is some of that in, in all of us as yeah. humanity, um, and, and our flesh, right? That <laughs> we, there is some of that in everyone, but how do we, I mean, generally when you're in rebellion, you don't actually recognize no, that no, you're in rebellion. It's you think of yourself as a revolutionary when you're in rebellion. You think it's, you are rebelling against this, yeah. whatever, you know, whatever this faceless, yeah. nameless, whatever it is, right? You're, you're rebelling against something because what you're, you know, you think, we all think we're right mm -hmm. because- because that's what we think, right? Yeah. We don't want to be wrong. So when you're, how do we really look at our, our thoughts and our actions? How do we process through these things and recognize whether we're in rebellion? Mm -hmm. how, how can we even, how can we do that? Because we don't, we don't think of ourselves as rebellious unless we're one of those people who has really, I mean, if you're really processing through and really, you know, in a place where you can hear it, from someone else, it's a lot easier. I feel like easier to process, to think about it myself. I, I don't know. I don't want to hear from somebody else. I'm in rebellion. I'm going to tell you how I'm not. So yeah. that was a lot of words, but how can we, how can we process through and actually recognize our rebellious spirit? Yeah. I, I don't think it's um, one thing. I think it's probably a, a number of things that right. really help kind of surround us um, and create as my buddy Todd says, an ecosystem, right? yes. an ecosystem that really brings about um, humility, right? Because that's really what's at the root of rebellion is pride, pride, right? And and so I've said that a thousand times, you know, on this stage that pride's first sin and it'll be last. Mm -hmm. um, and when I say that, I'm I'm you know speaking of really uh, Lucifer's um, right being thrown from the courts of heaven um, to the pits of hell um, out of pride, out of thinking that he was something, you know, and thought that he deserved more and wanted to, you know, be God. Right. You know, isn't that kind of what we're doing when we have a rebellious spirit is I know better than them, mm. you know, every, like everybody, Everyone. anybody, the person who's over me, spiritually or physically or legally. I mean, like I just, I always know better, you know? Um, and, and it's been like that and, and that grows and, um, you know, we're, and I think meekness, that, that quality that, that Jesus calls us into is one that can recognize, um, I'm actually right, but I'm going to give up mm. my right um, you know, and, and, or I'm going to not, sometimes I won't be giving up my right, but I'm going to, 
I'm going to carry this forward in a way that honors God, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to stay rebellious in my spirit. I can disagree with you, um, but I'm not going to have a rebellious spirit. And I think that's, that's a difference. I can disagree with Absolutely. someone in me, whether spiritual authority or political authority or in my company. I can disagree without having a rebellious spirit. And, um, I think, I think most of us, if we start to just really slow down and start to even think about it before we get into all the factors that can really help us get there, I, I think we can start realizing we've got a lot more rebellious spirit in us than what we care to admit. Right. Than what we really want to recognize. Yeah. And I've been, I mean, I've been there and I've lived it. I have. Um, and again, it's all, it all starts with pride. It all starts with pride. Um, and I... I remember just um, in a, one particular ministry opportunity, you know, fresh out of high school, I was in college and I was in a, a ministry and, and I just did, you know, I was a part of it. I, I moved up into leadership in it, you know, very quickly. And I just disagreed with certain things and, you know, what we did and how we did it and things that went on and and how the leader led. And, and he was a spiritual leader in my life, but I disagreed and man, at times I, I would just find myself like just really want to rebel, like mm-hmm. just, you know, being resentful towards the institutions, being resentful towards um, the systems and stuff. And I, I really had to soul search and realize that it's actually a rebellious spirit in me. Um, and so I, I think there's a lot to process. I, I think on the other hand, I think um, distance, proximity makes a big difference. Right. Right, it's it, it makes a difference. It's not the only factor because I, I think I may have said it Sunday or I've said it before. Like you can be sitting on the front row and be <laughs> right every Sunday and really have a rebellious spirit. But I think it does make a difference, and particularly not just proximity to people and to leaders and to how decisions are made. And um, but I think proximity to God, like certainly. So Certainly. this week I'm going to move to blessed are the merciful and blessed are the pure in heart. I don't know how, if I'm going to have time to talk about it this week, but I think that pure in heart one mm-hmm. is coming to mind when we're talking about this for they shall see God. Right. And that's a really interesting phrase. When we look at the old Testament, blessed are the pure in heart. And I'm just, I'm not pre preaching cause I don't even know that I have time to preach this. Yeah this weekend because there's two verses that come to mind about purity of heart and seeing God. And one of those is Job Mm -hmm. who we would all look at and just be like, dude went through it. He really did. And he didn't really do anything. Right. Like we look at him and just existed. Yeah. And um, for those of you that don't know the story, it's a very long book in the Bible, probably the oldest Right. story we have mm-hmm. in, in the Bible, oldest text. And, you know, Satan essentially comes to God and is like, hey, you know, I want to take out this dude. Oh, and it was, this guy only loves you right. because he's only been blessed. Yep. Right? Like, he, this is the reason. he If, if mm-hmm. he had any suffering or any trials in his yep. life, dude would totally be on my side. Yeah. Not the case. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Not well, the case here. Here, well, the th- it's a it's a very long book, and it's a it's a long read, and 
And he, as time goes on, you just see Job go. He had a lot, and he lost it all. Lost yes. family, lost his children, lost his wife, lost everything. His, his cows and his cats his and everything, his health mm-hmm. and everything. And this whole time, like we just see Job as really a righteous character. That, you know, no rebellious spirit in him the whole way. Like, pro- like profoundly, like, whoa, dude. Like, I would have... cursed God like his own wife was like just curse God and he wouldn't do it he wouldn't do it he would not rebel against God but he hit a point towards the end of the book in which God calls him to the carpet and he and he lets it out and God just lets loose on him he does and for me that was always like a little bit confounding like why like he was so good like he he was so righteous but it was an encounter with god in which he was like oh no i too am sinful i too need to put myself back in my place even in the depth of all that he had been through as righteous as he felt like his acts were and he had been and in our eyes absolutely that that story is just crazy but in light of who god is yeah. In his presence. So seeing God actually called him back to a deeper purity. So I, right. I don't know. I may get into it this Sunday. <laughs> but the other one is the prophet Isaiah, who when he saw God, he said, woe is me for I am one with unclean lips. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was it was seeing God that again prompted just the level of, you know. Right. Well, that. I recognize like that we I right, recognize, this, my, own I recognize yeah. my own sinfulness. I recognize I am not God. Yeah. Only only you are God. Yeah. And that no matter the the level of right, no matter the level I can attain here, no matter the the goodness or the the good deeds or, or actions or or what you bless me with, what you choose to bless me with, none of those things make me God. Yeah. There is still what what I am. I'm still human. Mm-hmm. I'm going to remain human, and yeah. you are always going to be God. I think there's maybe, I don't know, maybe there are people who are listening right now who are hearing, oh, this this tug in me, this, this difference that I'm feeling um, against other leadership is what they're saying that that those feelings that you have is always are always rebellion. Mm. When there are times there are it, it is there are righteous times to to have differences and to to move forward in those differences mm-hmm. to bring those differences to your leadership or to you know co- whatever if you're co-leading a family mm-hmm. right yeah. <laughs> you're as a as my husband's wife there are times where he needs me to say hey that's we can't, we really just yeah. can't move in that way. I know that that was your, you know, your, your gut reaction says do this, but we really can't do that. Or if I am, you know, at work and there's something that just, you know, that morally feels wrong, and, but they're my leadership and how do mm-hmm. I do that? And so can we talk a little bit about what it looks like to, to differentiate between rebellion just because someone is yeah. in a leadership position around you or near you and what is revolutionary? What is righteous in moving forward and disagreeing? 
Yeah, it, it's really hard to have that conversation until you get really specific, you know, but I think there is, um, I think it's about, you know, the, both sides of it. What's happening inside of you and how are you handling it outside, right? And it's to handle both of those in a way that honors God, yeah. right? So God's looking to our heart, you know, so am I growing resentful of this person? Right. Right. That's not something that that person or a conversation with that person is actually going to fix. No. That's actually between you and God that you're going to have to pray through, that you're going to have to get to a place of forgiveness, a place of uh, submission, a place of agreeing to disagree or whatever you might want to say. You're going to have to get to a place where you're not resenting that person because you know, you're going to wake up tomorrow and they're still going to be your leader, whether that's your president or your governor Mm -hmm. or your boss or your pastor or your team leader at whatever, Mm -hmm. right? They're still going to be there, right? And so you can, you can keep that resentment and think that it's, it's your kind of little happy blanket, you know, that you sleep with at night, but it's going to make you miserable and it's going to kill you spiritually and um, bring division eventually outside Mm -hmm. of you, not just inside of you. Right. And that's what begins to happen. We have this split, you know, sense of, um, you know, struggle inside of us. And then the other side is, okay, how do I go- honor God externally? Right. got to start with the first on the inside, um, the pure in heart thing that, again, we'll talk about this weekend. But then moving externally, how do I honor God in the external? How do, um, what needs to happen? Is this just a preference thing, right? I just disagree with how they did that. Right. Is it a real sin issue, right? That's a completely different line of um, processing. Um, or is it is it a personal conviction, right? And they think that's okay. And for them, it may be. Convictions are, are something that that are not necessarily, um, you know, biblical. Right. But they're things that God has put on our hearts, deeply on our hearts. Not ingrained in our culture, not ingrained in how we grew up. Right. Right. Yes. But spiritually God has spoken and convicted us. That's why we call it a conviction. He's convicted us personally of doing said thing or... Or not doing. Yeah, or not doing uh, a certain thing. And the scriptures teach us that that would be sin to us, Us. right? Not to them. So they could keep doing it. And so so that's important, right? To be able to differentiate between sin, conviction, and preference, right? right? Preference is... Who cares about that, right? <laughs> it's it's your preference, and that's fine. Like, you have a preference. But they're not things that we should be resentful for other right. people's differences. That's that's really an internal issue that, right, shouldn't you ever even have to get into the external too often, right? You just say your preferences. Yeah. But yeah. the conviction, you know, does. I, I'm gonna t- I may talk to someone about it, but it may not be something that I've even got to have a big conversation with a leader unless they're asking us to do something that is a conviction for us. Right. Yeah, I think a lot right. of people are struggling with that right now, you know, Absolutely. Um, in society, you know, and, and the questions, you know, they're asking and, and everybody's got their different feelings on them. Um, and they're having to, f- to, to wrestle with this, yeah. you know, and do I, do I do this or, or, or do I don't, you know, and um, it's an important thing. The vaccination thing is the big one that is coming to mind right it now. Um, and I had someone texting me last night about it. Like, how are you handling this with folks with, with different, you know, viewpoints on this and in the day. And I told them, I said, I think there's some people who 
right? They have very serious convictions about this, right. you know? And it would be wrong for me to say anything different if it is a real spiritual conviction for them. I think there's others who it's not a spiritual conviction for them because one, they've taken other vaccinations right? and they've, you know, if their doctor told them to get a vaccination on something, they would probably do it, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's actually what it is, is what we're talking about. Right. It's actually just rebellious spirit. And I don't want to do it because you're telling me to do it. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't want to do it yeah. because you're telling me to do it or right. you're trying to incentivize it or you're right. whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm not having a big political conversation about this. Right. I'm just saying a lot of people are wrestling with mm-hmm. this and that's a way they're having to wrestle with their own work. Um, you know, so anyway, we yeah. can set that conversation aside. <laughs> right. It's just the, it's the most obvious one right now, but it's certainly not the only one. No, um, but I, I think it's just beginning to embrace the, the internal and the external way of honoring God, right? And, and pursuing God and, and uh, hearing how, how would he have me deal with this? And um, I, th- I think the hard work is heart work, Oof. you know? Um, that was a pastor thing you just said. I, it was in my notes for the Sunday, so it's, <laughs> it's pre-preaching. But the hard work is, har- I said, it's hard work indeed. It's heart work in deed. deed. See what I did there? You know that those are Words, some of my yeah. favorite things. Right. Hard work indeed, right? So mm-hmm. it's actually, I'm getting to the good place in my heart, and then I'm actually going to live that out indeed, yeah. right? Oh. So um, I think as simple as that is and as kind of punny as it is, it's pretty straightforward and helpful to think through this exact you know conversation. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. I love it. Yeah, let's end with a couple funny stories. I love that. I was really hoping that I would get to hear. All right, do you want to tell your rebellious story, pastor. or I tell my sure, rebellious I'll, story? I'll tell mine first. I got so, a lot of them, but you go. <laughs> I well, I'm sure that if my mother was listening, she might think I have more stories than I feel like I have. Right? That's what we just said. I don't necessarily recognize all of my rebellion as a teenager, but I do distinctly remember. There was a time when I was around 19 years old, and I lived in a small little town called Live Oak, Florida. I had been uprooted from my living here, in, living in Jacksonville, um, and my group of friends and the people I'd known since I was five years old, that kind of thing. And so moving to Live Oak, I thought, was an actual crime against my humanity. <laughs> I thought being uprooted and leaving my people like that, this was some sort of right that my, my mom had it out for me, right? This was punishment of some sort, but I'd been there for a few years and I was around 19 years old and I had built friendships there, uh, but there wasn't a whole lot to do. Jacksonville has tons of things to do all the time, everywhere. There wasn't a whole lot to do. And so one of my friends and I decided that we were going to, against other against wise counsel we were going to hop a fence and climb a water tower and when i say a water tower like the giant one i mean the actual giant humongous my my hometown is a giant strawberry it's like a giant <laughs> it's huge it's painted as a strawberry so so i i climbed this water tower um against other people's uh, wise counsel but then I we didn't stop there after I did that we didn't stop at uh, climbing how, how high in the air were you too high like to the top like almost yes no at, at to the yes oh at the my god at the top where there's that 
thing that's that terrifying. like walks around you, like the ledge that you can walk around and you can climb and kind of and no, and like, see anything. If you no, no, fall. no harnesses, no anything oh like that. Gosh. I was 19 years I'm old and scared super right poor. now. I feel like I'm going <laughs> to fall right now. Just thinking about you. I'm scared for you. 20 years so, in the past. Right. No, I, when I, I tell this, I, I hope that my children have no access to podcasts <laughs> at all um, for the, for eternity. But uh, so, yeah, we just didn't stop there, even though we should have. And we climbed a communications tower. You know, mm. the kind that you oh can see from the interstate. They're yeah. like deep in the middle of a town and you can see them from the interstate because they're so high and they have a flashing light. Yeah. Well, I put my hand on that flashing light, sat next to a friend up there to just see the world because Gosh. I thought, well, I can, what's their fence going to do to keep me out? And I fully regret that rebellion mm. though. I am healthy and safe yeah. and we all, everyone got down healthy and safe and, and no one was hurt or arrested. Um, I don't know. I think the, the time la- that, you know what I mean? Like they can't prosecute me now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my rebellious. Like, no, people wow. told me definitely not to do that. That's and crazy. the sign said, keep out. And the everything about that, even, I mean, even just, you know, common sense tells you not to do that, but I totally did it. Wow. Yeah. So mine was not near that dangerous, but it will reveal just how stupid of a child I was, (laughs) just how dull this kid was. So I don't even remember how old I was, but I had a real like anger and temper issues, Mm -hmm. you know, as many young boys do and many, you know, teens do. I, I, I don't even remember how old I was. I was not that old. I don't even, I might not even been a teenager yet. I was probably still in in, like older elementary and I don't know. There was something I had gotten trouble with and I was just angry and upset with my parents. And, and I said, um, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm I'm leaving home, and I, and I packed up my bags, and I packed up a sandwich. Right? <laughs> I packed up my bags, and as I'm leaving the house, I threatened. There was a, a organization called HRS. It used yes. to be like Child Health. Family Services. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. That was would be Child and Family Services right. today. Yes. Um, HRS, and and so I'd heard of that, but I. In that moment, in my temper and how stupid I was, I could not recall that. And so I said, I'm leaving and I'm calling the IRS. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I stomped out the house and I ran away for about three hours or two hours. and uh, Just long enough to eat that sandwich? Yeah, pretty much. You get hungry and be like, this this is stupid. I have nowhere to sleep and I don't know what I'm doing. And I went back home and... Um, but I just think it's hilarious that I threatened to call it IRS, IRS not yeah. HRS. Absolutely. stupid I was. But it's so good. Anyway, yeah. lots more stories behind that. Lots more stories to come in episode three. <laughs> I was going to say, there yeah, go. three, four, and five. We've got more more stories yeah. to come. So we just thank you for joining us today. It's been fun. I'm glad we got to have this conversation. And, um, you know, if we hope that this will spark more conversations for you, that you'll take, you know, where, where we've left off here and have conversations with your friends and your family. Um, if you have anything you want to, if you have questions or things you want us to talk about on this podcast, please email info at fathom.church. Christina will check that. Uh, Christina will check that email address. And if you have questions or anything you want us to talk about, we, we're look for, looking forward to future episodes. Awesome. See you next time. All right.